Hello and welcome to a pair of Dice Lost podcasting channel. My name is Brendan and I'll be your storyteller and editor for this episode. This game you're listening to is a collaborative effort between us here at A Pair of Dice Lost, the crew of Sponsored by Nobody, and Holden Shearer. You can find the At The Table full session experience at sponsoredbynobody.podbean.com. And the newest version of Exalted vs. World of Darkness can be found at holdenshearer.wordpress.com. Links will be in the show notes. On this episode, Rowan gets spirited away, Layla dons a crown of fury, and End of Sadness gets shot. This is Exalted vs. World of Darkness, City of the Bull God, Season 1, Episode 3, London Calling. Brendan as the storyteller. Peter as Sir Rigel Star, the Celestial Censor at uh, Solar Twilight. Devin, of, uh, Devin as End of Sadness of the Infernal Exalted. Holden playing Layla Church, also Infernal Exalted. And Sam playing Rowan of the Lunar Exalted. Right, gang, so uh, last time uh, you all had a fun Free Willy-esque encounter with, uh, with Nessie after, uh, <laughs> after hanging out in, in Aleister Crowley's old manor. Aleister now, Crowley's uh, sex on house. Your way back, <laughs> listen, any house that man was in is a sex house. Oh, no. Uh, so, uh, before that we get into some other things, I have a question for Devin. How are you getting rid of that massive RV? Oh, um, so I was going to just dump it in the Thames or the Thames, the Thames, the river. I was going to dump it in the big fucking river, like in the middle of the night. And that was going to be the end of that forever. But uh, uh, Rigel made a really good suggestion. That I should put it underground and let people live in it. So we towed it underground into catacombs, tunnels. I'm not really clear how London works. I assume it has a vast network of underground monster tunnels, and that's where we dropped off the trailer. Not the the, the, the truck part of it. The truck part's alive and it left, and it's just going to do truck things. But yeah, we dumped it under the city for people to live in. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Um, truck things. Wow, that raises all kinds of questions about if the, the truck gets joy out of doing truck things. I don't know if it gets joy, but it does what it's told, oh. and that's all that really matters. I mean, there's long-haul truck simulators, so people at least get joy from it, so why not the truck itself? It's funny we should mention the truck, because it is coming up later. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, then. So, after uh, getting everyone back to London proper, uh, everybody has gone about their day, uh, or has go- gone back to their uh, respective haunts, and starts doing their regular non-part of your exalted group things. So I'd like to see what those kinds of days look like. uh, Rowan, would you like to tell us what you you do uh, in your downtime? Uh, You can see... uh... If you were to enter Rowan's apartment or his flat, you would see that it is in perhaps a state of clutter, 
maybe disrepair. But in the center of it, in, this, in the stacks of newspapers he's collected for some reason, uh, the little mid-spirited houses that he's been putting up. He's one of those people that goes and puts those little art projects next to the bases of buildings. Uh, you might see a little speck, a bridge to the other world, where he has spent an increasing number of times. Were you to be able to step through that like he does, uh, you would see the oh, his flat fade away into what could only be described as an architect's dream. There are beautiful potted plants on the walls cascading down as it opens up into the sky, arches overhead as glass windows fade away into the backgrounds. The twilight sky shimmering with not stars or whatever, but perhaps the dreams of mortals. As you would see Rowan sitting in a what could be construed as a city garden of this spirit realm with his mentor the owl. Currently he is talking quite excitedly about his encounters with good old Nessie, which I assume the owl spirit knows all too much about. But eventually their conversations will turn to more pressing issues, I imagine. Oh, most certainly. The owl spirit itself, it is attentive to what that you're uh, to what that you're telling it. It uh, seems very interested in you managing to not only meet with other spirits, uh, including things that called themselves demons, as well as meeting with a cryptid. Uh, honestly, it is surprised that uh, something like that would show itself to your group. But you all uh, managed. Now, as the, the uh, conversations turn a little bit towards uh, other things... What questions would you have for the owl spirit or, uh, I guess actually it probably prods you a little bit. All right then, Rowan. Uh, so you've managed to, conf uh, to find out the truth about cryptids. Uh, where will you go from here? Uh, I suppose I hadn't, uh, really thought that far ahead. I'm currently trying to discover, uh, what my friends are. Are they... Uh, mages? Wizards? Perhaps? Uh, that's what you suggested, but as you said, they, it didn't quite seem to fit either. Uh, it's interesting. They're, they're interesting. Uh, they seem terrifying, honestly. Uh, I have not been able to quite catch on to what they do and how they do it. Or honestly, how I do my things either, but... It's in a mystery. Uh, I suppose you're not going to actually tell me much more about it, either. Hmm. No, I don't believe that that would be very prudent of me. You see, finding information is just as important as attaining information. I know. <sighs> or being taught it. Or cataloging it. All of these are different ways to get to the same conclusion, but all are just as equally good paths. I understand. You know, with you being here, I have had a little bit of a concern. Are you neglecting your time on the 
uh, your time with other people. Uh, well, I mean, he kind of shifts nervously. Uh, you know, there's people there. They have their lives. I've seen their lives before. And you and the other spirits, they're not seen before by me. Uh, uh, is this... Are you telling me again that I should go see what real life has? I believe that you shouldn't sequester yourself in your studies for too long, or else the information that you acquire will begin to stagnate and die. Uh, it will become useless to you. Though we are concerned with what that you have told us before about the world, you'll have to make sure that you stay hidden. After all, there are so many eye spirits throughout London. I... That's, that's the other problem. I have giant antlers. I, I crafted a giant top hat. It's very obs uh, uh, obscene, but... Really? I find it quite fashionable. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Got me there. Alright. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, sure. I, I, I can... I can go back again. That's so nice here. Look, I, I made some buildings. I, I'm not really sure how, but it seemed to, to kind of react to my presence, and I was able to shape them. Isn't that far more interesting? I believe that it is very interesting how that this realm reacts to the beings that come into it and shape it. But it is also possible that you are not the only shaper here. Maybe it reacts to the others who move throughout this realm. I mean, isn't that just absolutely fascinating, though? Why don't I go talk to them? If that is your wish, I could introduce you to maybe a person or two. I mean, that'd be fantastic. But They are hesitant about others not of their kind in this realm. You often ask for a return of knowledge at this point. What would you have me bring back to uh, do such a thing? Hmm. What would I have you bring back? In exchange for me to introduce you to one of the people who also calls this realm their home who also treads between realms as you do. I would ask a small favor in the material world. If you could, at your next convenience, find me... Hmm. And it kind of thinks for a moment. Like, it wants to test you, but it wants to kind of... Uh, it doesn't want to just tell you what to get. Yeah, and you kind of see it, like, close its big, gigantic spirit form eyes for a moment as it, it thinks about it. And then they kind of pop up, like, 
suddenly and like the camera was like right on on it it was like a close-up like jump scare almost i believe that i have an idea rowan when that you next go into your world find a gift that you think i would enjoy oh 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 use your knowledge in a way that benefits others. Rowan immediately starts thinking about what possibly the owl could want as a gift. Eventually he will leave the spirit realm. He cannot eat there, cannot sustain himself there anyway. Continuing in his thoughts, trying to figure out what on earth a spirit of the wisdom would want aside from perhaps scraps of knowledge that it already knows. Well, that's uh, that's certainly for Rowan to uh, figure out. Uh, as you leave, uh, the owl spirit raises a wing in a uh, time-honored gesture of uh, see you later. And <laughs> before that you, uh, if you look back as you're leaving, you can see that it leaves the perch and area that you all are in and seems to fly off in the distance towards um towards uh the like spiritual manifestation of uh of big ben so rowan comes back to the regular world to his newspaper stacked place of residence and Let's be honest, that probably took a lot longer than you thought that it did. Time doesn't really have a whole lot of meaning in the Umbra. Right. So what do you think? Does Rowan order out, or does he already have a snack prepared? He does go to the fridge, but realizes it's empty. He considers ordering out, but remembers his credit card. Does Rowan have any uh, family that he can hit up for money or maybe friends who'd be willing to share share a meal with him probably can meet up with any one of the group depending All right, on then. where his feet take him goes to the inferno and wish for a sandwich don't wish me for a sandwich let me look at your phone and I'll get you unlimited minutes and unlimited pizza ordering on your phone oh my god for free <laughs> uh, <laughs> alright uh, so one last question before we switch over to someone else uh, so London is a very heavily surveilled uh, city it's pretty hard to go about uh, the area without being noticed on some kind of uh, closed circuit uh, television or system. So there's so many security cameras around. Right. And Rowan has enemies in high places or an enemy, at least. Yes. How does Rowan avoid being noticed when it, he leaves his apartment? The problem is that Rowan doesn't know he has an enemy, so he doesn't. Oh, interesting. He dons his typical way of avoiding people's attention, which is to dress as gaudy as possible with a giant hat. People tend to avoid people that look weird. Never been New York. Julia tested that. And just typically 
the whole not my problem is good enough for him. It's gone him through life for a long time. You know, that makes a certain amount of sense in a big city like this. People don't like to look each other in the eye on the street, let alone uh, comment on your on your appearance, uh, especially when you're being weird. They just kind of assume that you're going to go and continue to be weird. Since that you're going around doing that, I would what just to see if that you can manage to blend in with the crowd. I feel like this is going to be a weird one. Okay. I feel like that would be a charisma and stealth roll. Interesting. It's both things that I'm actually somewhat good at. Uh, the difficulty is going to be a six. I have two successes. All right. People give you odd glances as that you move around. Uh, that's nothing new for Rowan. Uh, but it's the kind of odd glances that you're used to. It's not people pointing and making sure that you're seen. It's the kind where so long as you don't go up to them and uh, start trying to offer them drugs on the street, they're probably not going to pay you any mind. As long as you don't start ranting about uh, Margaret Thatcher or any other random British uh, politician or historical figure, they don't really care. You keep to yourself, they keep to themselves. I've got a whole bunch of those little tiny spirit houses that I want to put next to buildings as an art project. I'm an art student. All right. Um, hmm. That's an interesting... So those little tiny spirit houses, they're just for helping out the spirits... Of the area, or what exactly are they for? Oh, oh no, this is a real thing, actually. There's some... Oh! Yeah, uh, people sometimes in big cities will put little fairy houses on the edges of buildings. Just kind of pretty up the place. It makes it look like there's little uh, goblins or gremlins living in the city. Oh, I had no idea about that. That's actually very interesting. In that case... Uh, do you, are you just going to have these be uh, fairly noticeable then, uh, so that people can see them, or are you trying to hide them in any way? I put them in interesting places. Like, here's one uh, that's in the view when you come out of the, uh, the tube. So you can, and then here's one just kind of hidden up in between an alleyway. And I'm kind of just scattering them around as my heart sees fit as I wander to one of our friends. Okay. Um, as that you're going around, one of the things you do notice, um, kind of graffitied or stickered around the, uh, around the, the city as that you move about, um, is there are a few places where that, like, stickers have been slapped on or, uh, spray painted with something that looks very similar to the cast mark that, very similar, if not exactly the same as the cast mark of End of Sadness. It does remind me that I have... It's been a while since I've seen him, so I should probably go see him. Into the the dank dungeons of Underground Dungeon? No, not actual dungeons. But wherever End of Sadness makes his abode. Oh, clearly it's, in that, it, it's beneath... 
<laughs> the Gamma Cave, which is definitely linked to all of the person-sized vents all over London. Rowan is a life being, so eventually he will slip into one. Uh, they called manhole covers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it is time to change up the scene, and instead of going underground, we should go above ground and stay but still a little seedier. Layla, what mm. are you doing? I'm back on the prowl looking for an asshole. Ah, uh, yes. A, a particular asshole. one, not like just any old asshole in London. Otherwise, I wouldn't even really need to leave my apartment building. Oh, no, you wouldn't have to leave your flat to find an asshole. Your, uh, your landlord's been particularly nosy. Uh, you do tend to make a little bit, a little bit more noise nowadays. I've always made plenty of that. So maybe reintroduce us to that asshole you're looking for, and why is he on your shit list? The asshole that I'm cruising for is a vampire by the name of Andrew Parker, who uh, tried to scout Layla before she exalted to add uh, to add to uh, a band that he'd made a personal project of as part of a pissing match with another vampire. She turned him down, and he ruined her little her little in, indie band's career. Uh, they haven't had a decent gig in months, and uh, one of her and one of her friends, who's a lead singer uh, for the band, uh, killed herself not long after. So Layla is is quite uh, keen to find this motherfucker, and um, well, she's going to kind of play it by ear from then. After that, but she's not just a nobody guitarist anymore, so that should be fun. The problem is that she hasn't seen this uh, this son of a bitch in over six months. Oh, damn, we're closing in on a year now. And uh, every time she's put out feelers into the London underground music scene, she's gotten back absolutely nothing. Nobody's talking to her. Nobody's answering questions. Nobody will admit to having heard of this guy. But that all hopefully changes tonight, right? You're mm-hmm. going to put the squeeze on these people, as they call it. So Layla has headed out for the evening. Uh taking an Uber over to fucking Shoreditch of all places and is heading into Club Aquarium, one of London's most notoriously uh, extravagantly shitty nightclubs, uh, which its claim to fame is it is the only uh, club in London with an indoor pool on the second floor. Oh, that's going to be Well, the first mistake. Oh, that's going to be so gross. Oh, yeah. It's freezing fucking cold. You have to squeeze right past the men's room to get to it. And by reputation, if you so much as dip a toe in there, you're walking out with at least several interesting skin diseases. Fantastic. Alas, this is the world of darkness, a a darker mirror of our reality. So they're still open for business here. Oh, not only are they open for business, they are totally popping. That, that pool is... So they're so happy to have that pool. Everybody there loves the pool. No musk required. <laughs> so uh, I assume that it being a club and all that Layla's going there uh, around nighttime then. Oh, yes. When it, it is popping and ready to go. Oh, yes. So uh, you walk in and the 
the music is uh, bopping. Uh, it's all uh, kind of thumping in your chest as the heavy bass is being played uh, from the speakers. Uh, it's a familiar feeling that fills you with excitement and maybe a little bit of nostalgia. But that's not why you're here tonight. No, in the one way, in the one sense, it's almost like coming home, you know, just this all, just this awful fucking dive with overpriced drinks and, uh, the STD pool on the upper floor and still crammed to the rafters after the city's lost half its club, half its clubs over the last eight years. You know, the scene just strangled down to nothing until everybody's, uh, filling into a place like this just to get away from it all. It's like the politics, you know. No, no credible opposition to the Tories. So the free just continue being as bastardly as they like, and we all just get to live in the shit. But for Layla, this is home. This is home, or it used to be. For a lot of the other people here who are in the uh, on the dance floor or at the bar, this is a kind of home for them as well. They're trying to escape the terrible reality of the world and there's a little bit of desire to do that here as well for you but nah this place could use a little bit of action tonight and not the kind that gets up on the stage unless you want to make a show of someone oh these people came here for a good time but uh i'm here for business yeah yes you are so you manage to make it in. It probably takes a little bit waiting in line at the club, unless, of course, you have a way to get in uh, quicker than that. But oh, once you're in, me. okay. Once you're in, you uh, how do you go about trying to, I guess, find and talk to the manager here or the guy, the club runner, whoever's setting up all the gigs here? Oh, that's easy. You just find the ba- you just find the bouncers, and you start uh, peeling off, and you start peeling off little five quid notes. One of them sees you, and you start peeling off some notes, and he looks. He waits a little bit, and then uh, once he's got about uh, once you've got once he's got like one or two, he's happy to uh, show you the way to the boss. Uh, you're not sure if he's new here, but it's not a uh, it's not unheard of to pay your way into seeing someone in this kind of scene. Oh, why not? They're not losing anything for him to turn me for him to turn down whatever I've got in mind. Just how exactly. it's just been going and going and going. So uh, they take you through uh, to they take you through towards the back where there's a little bit more soundproofing so the rest of the uh base doesn't just press through when it's someone and distract someone while that they're trying to count the 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 multitudes of uh of pounds uh that's in the back while they're trying to uh actually do math uh the bouncer uh gives a sharp knock on the door a uh, boss uh got Got a Layla here to see ya. You can hear from the uh, from behind. Uh, the guy just goes, uh, "Yeah, sure. Uh, let her in." Thanks, Mike. Up, 
he waves you off and goes back to watching the crowd and maybe making sure that some uh, some drunken kids uh, on holiday from uni aren't uh, causing too much trouble. Mm-hmm. I'll just head on in. Head on in. Close the door behind you. The office is the kind of office that you expect to see everywhere else. Uh, there's books that you imagine might be doctored in some way. Um, there's little posters of some people that they enjoyed having at the club. There is a short, pudgy man with a accountant's hat on. Uh, he seems to be he seems to be balding, but he is wearing it well. He's got like the the pulled back like widow's peak, and he's got a multitude of hair that's pulled back into a tight ponytail uh, from. You assume his younger days, since he's not growing any hair anymore. He's in nice, stylish clothes that show that he has money, uh, in case he needed to impress someone. He sees you, doesn't feel like he needed to impress you. What can I do for you? Oh, you know, we've actually... We've actually spoken before, I think. was in here, uh, I want to say, around last August. Talking about band bookings. Oh yeah, kid? What's your band? Unlawful Carnal Acts. Unlawful Carnal Acts. Unlawful Carnal... Hmm. Did you talk to me? I don't remember that. She's watching his face real carefully. I think that is going to be a perception and empathy. Perception and empathy. And I see that you have a uh, specialty in insight, so that would absolutely apply. Cool. Uh, I'm going to say this guy has a pretty damn good poker face. Um, so I'm going to say it's probably going to be a difficulty seven. Okay. Not gonna not gonna burn any essence for this. Uh, that would be three successes. Three successes. All right. Mm-hmm. Would be two, but uh, key ability, so ones don't subtract. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's good. Like when you came in, he didn't notice like you as a unique individual he sees a bunch of people all the time look into book gigs it happens he can't remember every face especially not one from quite a while back Mm -hmm. but that name of your band is pretty damn unique (laughs) and when you mention unlawful carnal acts his eye twitches just subtly enough that you know that he's that uh, there's some recognition there and you can see on the arm of his chair, his hand tightens just very slightly. It's enough that you can, for the briefest moment, see the whites of his knuckles as if that he knows of the band pretty pretty well, like he's heard of them. He, now, granted, he doesn't know that you've seen all this. Yeah, can't say that I've ever heard of you. Oh, well, no worries, mate. No worries. We're we're not actually not looking for bookings at the moment. Ran into a bit of misfortune. And uh, we're down a member right now. 
But um, you see, the thing I wanted to talk to you about was you turned us down last year when we spoke before. You know, at that time you don't remember. You see, he kind of looks around. He, he, I think that I would remember an act with such a unique name. God, I think you'd remember why it was that uh, you didn't want us uh, on your stage. Can't say that I do. Uh, you know what? Maybe I was booked up at that time, you know? Or maybe you caught a little note from a strange fellow with pale complexion. Likes white suits. Blonde. He continues to look around giving you that kind of shady, shifty look as he feels like they, uh, you've caught, like his brain is kind of uh, doing the, the, like trying to immediately come up with a response and it's taking just a second too long before that he says, well, I mean, that sounds like just about any record producer that I'd know. Uh, you want to, they're all weirdo shut-ins, you know, nowadays, you know? Oh, yeah, hmm. yeah, for sure, for certain. Now, again, the good news here is I don't really want to take up any more of your time this evening. I'll, I'd like to let you get back to what you're doing. But I do need to get in touch with Andrew Parker. There is a noticeable swallow of all of the spit in his mouth as you name Andrew, as you name Mr. Parker by name. Parker? That's a... Ooh, that's quite that's quite a quite a name there. I can't say that I know exactly who you're talking about though. It's like I know most of the producers in the area, uh, most of the people who who like you're you're talking about. Never heard of an Andrew Parker. The light overhead flickers just a little bit, and there's a feeling like this weight gathering in the room as though somehow in this shitty uh, back room office that gravity had just uh, just gone up to about uh, you know, two or three times its normal level although nothing is in fact heavier or drooping or weighed down it's just something concentrating in the room and it's concentrating on this fellow whose name Layla has not yet caught and doesn't particularly give a shit to know. It is the feeling of her concentrating her will on his and she reaches out to crush it like a beer can. I am popping crowned with fury. Alright, so that is charisma plus leadership against the target's willpower. Mm-hmm. If I recall, most mortals usually start off with a willpower of three. They don't even get the base five. Yeah, five is, like, pretty good. I'm going to say that this guy, who has yet to be given a name, has probably seen a little bit of shit in his time. He has, uh, as inferred, worked with Andrew Parker uh, and come out of it not unscathed. But I'm going to say that he probably has a willpower of four. Okay. He he knows a little bit about the supernatural, but not, or not that he knows a little bit about it, but he's been in touch with it enough that 
he's got to be made of a little bit stronger stuff than the average mortal. Makes sense. Not by much, but just a little bit. So, if you would like to roll me Layla's charisma plus leadership against difficulty four, okay. to see what happens. Uh, charisma specialty is forceful, which... Oh, I would absolutely say that Layla is being very forceful with this. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree. And that's a lot of ones, but uh, low difficulty, so I ended up with two successes. So what does the power do? Crown of Fury, uh, it crushes someone's psyche and basically makes them into your lackey. They'll... They're obedient to you uh, for a length of time determined by successes rolled. Two successes basically makes this guy uh, my slave for a day. He can resist commands, but um, we'll see what happens if, if he does. So I have a question for you from a storyteller perspective. When this happens, is the NPC aware that they can resist commands? They can try. I mean, certainly they can try. Okay. that That's what I was curious about, because sometimes these are written as that, that it just automatically happens and, the, you know, they wouldn't. I, I, I'm curious if they, they would I, know to uh, do it. From my reading of it, I think this is supposed to represent in a movie where the dude gets mind control and he, like, cracks his teeth and bites his tongue, forcing himself to not be mind controlled. I think it's that effect, right? It is literally that he can, you know, refuse me, but he's going to start, like, bleeding out from the face and, uh, and shit. Every okay. time he does, it, it, it is, he's, it's literally tearing his body apart to do so. So then, you have him under your command. Uh, what do you ask of him? And just like that, the room is back to normal. He has a look of... If not adoration, certainly fear. Now, we're going to try this again. Tell me how to get in touch with Andrew Parker. And this time, green flames uh, creep out of the corners of her eyes and curl up from the edges of her mouth and, ri and rise like wisps of smoke and briefly form a, crown a green crown over her head. Seeing this display of power... This man can only bow to it. He thinks for a moment, not enough to make you think that he's not going to uh, give up the information, but enough that he feel it feels like he has to go through the uh, local Rolodex in his head. As that you're, as that he's thinking about it. All right, um, the. Best way to get in touch with Mr. Parker is through his associates. We're just the people on the bottom rung who do what we're told because that's where the money comes from. Um, I've only met with some of his associates at one of the other local uh, clubs and also at uh, a few uh, diners late at night. Yeah, he likes that. There's a there's a diner that serves great uh, great Pakistani food down there. 
Uh, one of his associates likes to hang out there by the name of River Cook. Layla grabs a little bit of scrap paper off of his desk, clicks a ballpoint pen, takes it down. Anything else? Um, did you want to know the club that he sometimes frequents? Very much so. It's a goth club. Uh, only opens a few nights out of the month. A little rowdy sometimes. A uh, place called Carfax Abbey. You're shitting me. No, I wouldn't lie. Oh my god. Alright. Cheeky son of a bitch. Well, as I said, I won't take up any more of your time tonight. And, uh... Oh, before I leave. For fuck's sake, make sure that pool's properly chlorinated. That's actually, again, accompanied by another lick of flames and a manifestation of the crown. I almost want him to try and disobey the order here just for the fun of it. But <laughs> but no, he will uh, nod to you. We'll get it done on our next off night. Maybe we'll see one another again, or maybe we won't. You have a good evening, and uh, don't let Andrew know I'm coming. I want it to be a surprise. He zips his lips, mocking a zipper, or miming a zipper, and then uh, nods to you. I'll make sure it's that nothing that he doesn't know. Ta. And he go. You leave, and he goes back to his uh, to his things, as if nothing ever happened. So then, uh, that seems like a good lead for you to have on the case of Mr. Parker. I think that for now, it's probably a good idea to swing the spotlight from Layla going about the rest of her night with whatever that she decides to do over to someone else. So okay. then, who would like to go next? I think because we're setting Pete up to be last, that means it's me. All right, then. That works for me. End of sadness. Your underground lair. It is a lair. Mind I do call again. it a lair. What was it called? The Gamma oh, okay. Cave. The Gamma Cave. How is that decorated? I assume that your symbol is everywhere, but uh, so, are there any knickknacks or... Oh, go ahead. The Gamma Cave is one of those old-timey ancient London tombs you hear about uh, every once in a while. Uh, it's, you know, deep under the city from when the city was built. It has, like, an actual sarcophagus in the middle of a room that had a mummy in it, like drink the mummy juice mummy uh, and it's like you know it had like arches and stonework everywhere and looked like you know it was a built place that was a resting place for some asshole um in the intervening months since end of sadness arrived on britain's shores they've renovated this place uh mostly had it like opened up a bit you know give a bit more space in there there's tvs couches a bunk bed in the corner the bunk bed is a little taller than you'd expect for reasons we'll get into there's a kitchen cooking area. Like, it, it looks kind of like, you know how some folk will buy, like, a studio painting warehouse and turn it into, like, their apartment and just live there in movies? It's like that, but like an old catacomb. Like, this has clearly been renovated. And there's even, like, power conduits coming down from holes in the ceiling because we'll get into that. But that's the Gamma Cave. It's a place of desolation. It's a dragon's nest. It is ineffably tainted by some sort of dark evil. 
just pouring out of it like a wound. Uh, and yeah, it gives off that ambient kind of sickly, whatever, you know, tainted places of desolation give off in this world. It gives off that energy. It gives uh, off an entropic resonance if the, we were playing mage, or it would give off a taint of the worm if the, we were uh, partial to being werewolves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that. <laughs> yeah, so the Gamma Cave is, oh, in the morning, it's usually dark, because all the lights are off, because people are sleeping, but when it's up and running, it's kind of just like a an apartment that End of Sadness lives in and doesn't have people come into because it's supposed to be a bolt hole. And no one's really told him not to use as a bolt hole, so he's just going to run with that until... The other party members are like, hey, maybe you should move people in there. And they never will. It's not going to happen. No one's looking to move in down here. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure that there are some people who could appreciate the ambiance of living in a catacomb. I mean, maybe you could make some friends with the local Nosferatu at some point. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure whatever's wrong with them <laughs> is fixable, right? I can fix that, right? <laughs> I don't think that you can fix No, that. I can't. I absolutely can't. But End of Sadness doesn't know that. He thinks that's probably just something that he could just smear a bit of Vaseline on and that'll resolve itself. We come into this scene uh, in the Gamma Cave with someone new coming to uh, the Cult of Typhon. Did you uh, want to get the morning routine stuff? Oh, yeah, I would love that. What is... Uh, it sounds like you've thought about this quite heavily. What is End of Sadness's morning routine? So the Gamma Cave is pitch black and quiet, and End of Sadness sleeps on the bottom bunk for reasons, and a fully grown crocodile sleeps on the top bunk for reasons. Uh, and his days usually start at 5 or 6 a.m. when all the lights turn on at once at the exact same time he wakes up, because the lights are cued to go on by the computers to turn on when he wakes up and the detects him waking, because he wakes up every morning screaming. Uh, he has nightmares, and I'm not going to play that flaw down. That's for assholes. You don't take nightmares and not play it that you have nightmares. So, catapults straight up out of bed, which is why the bunk bed is higher than it should be, screaming at the top of his lungs, holding his chest like he's having a heart attack. All the lights flick on, and everybody wants to rule the world starts playing an automatic as he calms himself down. The alligator rolls off the bed and shapeshifts into a man, and, uh, you know, pats him on the back, lets him catch his breath, and of sadness gets up and starts exercising by running laps, and the crocodile cooks breakfast. That's the first hour of his day. All right. So I have two questions for you before that we continue. Only two. So far. Okay. Maybe three, now that I'm thinking about it. So, okay. What does End of Sadness dream about that is so horrifying? Everyone someone else ever knew dying. The same oh, dream. That is actually horrifying and it's not his life it's the life of someone else someone who lived in a giant metal cave with a ceiling and no sky with people with gems in their head and it's just a recurring pitch perfect nightmare of the last day of that city when everyone dropped dead it's an apocalyptic dream every night horrifying um your crocodile can turn into a man that cooks for you yeah so that's uh whispers of the labyrinth um i met him when End of Sadness like, arrived on the shores of Britain after he came here from somewhere else. Uh, in the sewers, befriended him, they became best buds, and because uh, Exalted can pick up familiars, he's now his like, sacred bond animal, like Swiftwind from She-Ra. They have a sacred bond. They can talk to each other. And he's good enough at it that he can turn into a person now. Oh lord, now you're making me want to try and do the Swiftwind voice. Great. <laughs> I mean, Whisper the Labyrinth is a pretty good guy, and he's smarter than I am. 
because the familiar rules just encourage that that is a thing you can do. You can make your familiars a little weird once they get their human sh- or their spirit shape. You can make them ex- you can make them be a smarter person than than you, so then that they, they, you can basically have the brains to do whatever that you wanted uh, without needing to actually have the character be to be smart enough to do that. I've unlocked his full potential, and fans of Prince of the Universe will remember him if you remember I and Seven Despair's minion, uh, Nef- uh, not Nefrak. Um, what's the name of the goddamn Titan monsters that uh, Underworld uh, the Underworld gets? Hecaton Kyrates. He's a reference to that Hecaton Kyrate. Oh, okay. I was wondering, because that name did sound vaguely familiar to me. I don't know if that's the same name. I don't remember what his name is. I'm not Peter. I don't remember things from the game I ran. I feel like... like Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who can remember things from, like, five years ago? I don't know my notes. It's a blank. But, uh, yeah, okay, so that answers the question about the crocodile. (laughs) Yep, uh, that actually answers two of the questions about the crocodile, because I was going to also ask what his name was. Oh, very good. I was expecting something a little more uh, funny, if I'm... If I'm <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but no, that is absolutely on point. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's all great how this turned out. This character comes with, like, a few different characters talking around him. Is this Captain Chompers? No. Uh, no, that's not what I named this- him, and don't call him that. He hates it. that's whispers of the void don't call him captain chompers he hates it oh i should should point out that this entire morning routine where he gets up exercises has breakfast during breakfast they talk over stuff like they just go over day-to-day stuff have a conversation because that's free time uh before we get to the third part of his morning which is bullet catching uh Every TV screen has, like, the Despair 7 symbol on it, and one of them is playing Animal Crossing, and there's an Animal Crossing version of him and an Animal Crossing version of the town <laughs> doing all the things he's doing, like the townsfolk are out and doing calisthenics with him, like a Japanese exercise video at work. Okay, so I look at the notes, and the original crocodile was called the Regional General Descending Thief of Progress. Nice! Descending Thief of Progress. Wow, Damn nice. it, that's a good name. Because it's I'm sorry, a, Whispers of the Labyrinth. I'm terrible. <laughs> well, Descending Teeth of Progress, that's just a fucking fantastic buzzsaw name. Because it's a buzzsaw, right? <laughs> yeah. Alright then. Um, so you are doing your morning ritual with your crocodile. Yeah. My sacred bond animal. Things that I never thought that I would ever get to say as a GM. Thank you for fulfilling a... Uh, for fulfilling a lifelong dream of mine. Yeah. The last uh, part of the morning routine before I get to hit the showers and have free time is bullet catching, where Wizard of the Labyrinth pulls out a gun, I go over to the bullet catching area, and I try to dodge the bullet and fail because I don't have any of those skills, and he shoots me, and we're just trying to see if one day I'm immune to bullets and work our way up to larger calibers. So if you want to shoot me, feel free. Okay, uh, what gun are we starting off with? Uh, I'm pretty sure we're beyond light pistols, so probably like a regular pistol. I'm trying to think. The damage on that is, I think, a six on it, if I recall. Plus extra successes. Yeah. Plus extra successes. Um, do you have a sheet for how good that the croc that, yeah. that whispers is? Yeah, he has five dice. And firearms? He has five dice to it. Five dice? Okay. All right, let me see what I get. This took a turn. I mean, and how else? Upset. How else do you learn to be immune to bullets? No one else gave me an idea for it, so it's like, okay, well, this is clearly what I got to do to build up an immunity. 
All right, so you're obviously not trying to dodge. Oh no, I'm trying to dodge. Two successes. <laughs> I'm trying. Oh, to, you are. I'm trying, okay. to, I'm trying to. I'm trying to be faster than a speeding bullet at relative point blank range. I don't want to be okay. shot. It hurts. This is okay. He got two successes to hit you. Okay, I don't know how dodging works. And I'm not good at it, so he definitely hits me. That would be that dex would plus be, athletics. Yeah, I don't have athletics. Dex plus athletics. So five so dice. Just dex. Perfect. Uh, that would be one success. Oh, no. I don't know what that means. Uh, that means that I'm about to roll seven dice worth of damage. Do it. Well, it did knock it. one success off of his attack, so. Do it. I'd like to see you try to kill me. Yeah. Let's find out how killable I really am. How does. I feel like this is so that work. scene. <laughs> I think this is that scene from Shazam where they're trying to test out all the powers, except it's going to get dark real <laughs> I I kept oh, bringing no. this up, and what did you roll? <laughs> and now we walk through the damage system. Okay, so okay, how does so this work? If I recall, okay, so if I recall, um, ones do not subtract from damage, but tens don't count. Twice or do uh, that's exalted. From- that's exalted. Okay. Uh, it's just like any other roll. It's just like any other roll. Okay, yep. then. So ones do subtract. Ones do subtract. Good, 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 good. good. Um, he got. He's going to hit you for two lethal. Okay, I'm going to roll. I'm assuming seven dice to soak. Um, do you have soak? Yes, I have soak. Yes, I do. I'm not going to be catching bolts if I don't have soak. Let me tell you what. I didn't know. <laughs> I would, I would be salt. They're pretty tough. It, it'd be smaller guns. He'd, it'd be like knife training. He'd be like stabbing <laughs> me a little and be like, ow. Yeah, you had um, a friggin' demonic guy at one, right? So gave you armor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then Brown you would glory. be rolling... Uh, Rolling seven dice for soak. Okay, yep, that's yeah. just seven dice. Difficulty six. Okay, okay. I'm glad I don't have. I'm glad ones don't fail me. Wait, do they? Do ones fail me anymore? They do. God damn it! Oh, on soak really, rolls. They, oh yes. God mm-hmm. damn. Uh oh yeah. Then no, I just take it. I did have two successes. I didn't realize ones subtracted, but I kind of expected to be shot. This is why full moons are good, by the way. <laughs> Why are they good? What can they do? Can you botch soak? Stamina is uh, stamina is a cast uh, <gasps> attribute. So Attributes should, being yeah. favored. God damn, that's so <laughs> mm-hmm. liminals. Yep. Damn it. Yep. All right. Well, I get shot for two lethal, which is fine. I'm an assault. I'm gonna heal <laughs> that <laughs> off. I'm gonna walk that off. It's fine, but I still get shot. <laughs> So I'm looking up the healing table. How long does that take to fucking? I think it's hours. Too lethal. Yeah, I want to say it's a few hours. Anyway, I'm swearing. I'm mad at him. Uh, You know, he's like, "Hey, it's not my fault." You know, how he's like, "It's not my fault. You didn't dodge the bullet." Yep, that would be twelve hours uh, for the first health level, and then one hour for the other one. Perfect. So thirteen hours, you'll be back good as new. I honestly expected it to go about this well. Like, I'm like, I'm going to probably take lethal. Yeah, but that's fine. That's the morning ritual. Bullet catch. 
there there is a moment where that uh, whispers uh, looks to you uh, after that they've shot you and is suddenly very surprised that they actually managed to shoot you this time and that oh, you, no. that you reacted to it. <laughs> this happens They're a just lot. Like, I'm not oh, good at bullet catching yet. Oh no. Yeah, uh, so, hey, I got shot. That means the morning's pretty much over, and we get to have ice cream, because I got shot this time. We got ice cream when I get shot. <laughs> what What do you get? Okay, question now. You keep raising up all these questions. What do you get when you don't get shot? Not getting shot. <laughs> or <laughs> Oh, so there's not a treat for that. It's not getting shot. <laughs> Oh, I guess that that is the treat. Is not getting. <laughs> it's not shot. taking okay, two yeah, goddamn lethal at eight a.m. in the that morning. Tracks. Yeah, so we clean that off. We put a pad or a tampon in there and tape it. And I don't know. Maybe I guess I have to wear a shirt today. I'll put on a poncho. I wear ponchos when I have to wear shirts, so I don't look a gunshot victim. And uh, yeah, that's my morning. That's every morning, unless I know we're doing something important. Then I probably don't let myself get shot. No one's contacted you to say that you're doing something important this morning. Yeah. But I believe you did have something planned for later in the afternoon. Yeah. So I'll do just personal stuff until the afternoon. Uh, you know, it's probably just managing the cult of Typhon, uh, talking to people, you know, answering questions, reaching out, getting updates on things. The Spare 7 Network stuff is always happening in the background. Uh, telling the rats where to tunnel next. I use cyborg rats to pull down power cables and like tap into other buildings and run conduits from the gamma cave up there. So rats are really great at that shit. If you give them ceramic teeth, uh, you know, that's my morning, <laughs> a very productive morning, ordering your people to go around. Oh, a couple of the groups have, uh, come in around, around tea time to report that they've done uh, a couple more graffitiing in the night to uh, show the to show your symbol, and uh, a couple people even come in to let you know that they went uh, clubbing and talked to a few people the other night uh, about your your grace and your wisdom and your abilities to help others. That's fantastic work. They, Good for them. They think that they might have someone who wants to see you uh, this afternoon. All right. We'll pencil it in, and uh, yeah, we'll go meet that person probably somewhere topside. Oh, yeah, I, now right I get then. to shower because I live in a fucking sewer. So shower, clean up, put on good clothes, which are pants and a poncho. Really nice poncho, though. It has like orange sun. Feel- it has like orange as the main background color and sunflowers. Someone's aunt or grandma made it for me. Are you sure it wasn't uh, your old man chef who made it for you? The guy who's nah. in charge of your cult from last time? Okay, he's not in charge of my cult. He was in charge of that thing we were doing. He's just an old man who knows how to cook who happened to be a cyborg. No one person's in charge of the cult. That leads to problems. That fucking guy in Vatican City that fucking guy in Vatican City proved that one. I feel like that you and Rowan have the same sense of how to be stealthy in London, which is stick out as much as possible, but don't make eye contact. Um, well, I'm, I look like how I look, and I'm dressed like how I dressed, and before I go out, I do put on Ziggy Stardust pixelated makeup to stop image, facial recognition stuff from working. That's not even something I picked up recently. I've been doing that for a while. So, do you prefer to meet people at a cafe, or do you prefer, uh, 
a quiet restaurant or are you more of the kind of person who hangs out in clubs when that you're uh, gonna meet with people? Uh, a Starbucks, but one that's locally owned and not a Starbucks. Uh, across from a church. Oh, so you're really making yourself uh, stand out as being a goody two-shoes. Yes, that's what this is. Yes. It sometimes having a little bit of uh, an air of... Uh, what is it? Not authority, but legitimacy really helps to put people at, at ease. You know, you're in a public place churches right over there they're not going to expect the the devil to make a deal with them right there yeah so you go and meet with a young lady who uh unfortunately lost her lost her arm in a uh in a in a car accident a couple years back hmm okay and is this their first time that they're meeting the Cult of Typhon, or have they gone through, like, vetting? There's, like, two other layers of vetting before they get up to me. What are the two other layers of vetting so that other people know how that, that operates? Oh, sure. Yeah, so, there, so there's infection, mutation, then outbreak. Infection is when they meet someone who has a problem, um, and they start to pitch to them that the Cult of Typhon can resolve it. Um, this usually involves them just gain a beat on this uh, if this person would be like on board with radical experimental surgery or maybe you know going off of private health care or being a part of a drug trial you know it seems very not supernatural at that point and that's usually when people and by people i mean despair seven because it's a computer network of a bunch of machines i have uh vets them as hard as possible to make sure they're not like a serial killer or like a person who hits kids with their car and drives off into the night and never reports the body kind of person we, we screen that out in infection uh probably mutation when it's like okay this person could probably use help is when they start to ease in the supernatural stuff like a cyber demon will be like yeah look here's my augment and they'll show them the augment and then they'll show them a little bit more and how more extensive it is and maybe the glowing silver power core where their heart was cut out and replaced with a demon reactor and if they don't completely fucking freak out and are more on board with the idea of getting their life put back together and magic being real, but in a science fiction way, then they meet out of sadness and the science fiction part goes away. And it's like, no, 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 no. God and devil are real. And there's a fight going for the souls of mankind. This is totally biblical. There is no sci-fi here. It's usually the stages. And the third one's called Outbreak because usually shortly afterwards, that's when they, uh, you know, get the augments put in. I believe that they have gone through the vetting process. Okay. I think that that is a little bit more interesting to see how this uh, this ends up. I mean, you, you don't always have to be present for the initial stages. Yeah, and Despair7 being my machine uh, guy, and also the guy in my head that tells me to do stuff, that is sort of my boss, and I'm sort of their boss, it tends to keep things pretty close to what I'm looking for. They're not like a monkey's paw. So you go and go to this cafe to meet with someone who that you have uh, already kind of... I, I've done a professional Someone that you've already kind of, kind of vetted. So you meet with uh, Miss Honey Grant, who has... Uh, who had lost her uh, left arm in a car accident a few years back. After vetting that she's not a sociopath or a monster of any kind and that she's just a down-on-her-luck lady uh, who 
has tried a lot of the alternatives of uh, prosthetics and everything, and it just she doesn't like it. it she can't do it. it. It feels weird to her. She's she's very unhappy with life and everything. Uh, there's nothing that the uh, the doctors in the in the UK have been able to do for her. There, she's heard word of experimental treatments over in America, but that would cost a lot of money that she doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And at some point, or someone approached her from you about getting prosthetics that felt real. Perfect. All right. Uh, well, I have. A, I probably have like a carry-on bag or like a briefcase. Probably like probably like one of those bags you bring on an airplane that has like little rollers and like a little like handle. Like that's carry-on, not big luggage. So that's probably with me. Probably a few people from the cult are here, just in the background hanging out. So I'll be at a table waiting for them to show up. So Miss Grant uh, does show up on time as that she was asked to. Uh, she is a probably about middle-aged. And uh, I assume that since you have a table, uh, she sits across from you. Yeah. Oh, hello, darling. Uh, it's nice to uh, to meet you, dear. Yeah, it's nice to meet you in person. Um, your name is Honey Grant, right? Uh, yes, yes. Perfect. And you are, uh... The End of Sadness. Well then, that's quite a mouthful. Do you prefer the or sadness? And she kind of, like... People just keep calling me sadness. Uh, some of my actual co-workers are doing that now. I prefer End of Sadness. Um, but if you want to do sadness, you can do that. I feel like that's going to catch on, and I can't really stop it at this point. You know how nicknames are. Well, if what they say is true about you, I'll uh, I'll make sure to keep calling you End of Sadness then. Because, well, you doing... If you can manage to do this, it certainly would end my sadness <laughs> yeah absolutely oh i get it <laughs> uh, uh, okay so we gotta broach a few topics here real quick to make sure the cult's kept you, the cult has kept you up to speed on what's going on here so you've probably been told at first that we have a way to restore functionality to whatever you lost in the accident that occurred to you it was an accident right I'm, it wasn't like a drunk driver hitter or something because those aren't accidents <laughs> no it it was in fact an accident okay uh, this- so they've probably told you that. Um, and then someone probably showed you a little bit of what we do here, and you probably got a bit of a sci-fi, too-good-to-be-true vibe, right? Yes, it definitely has a too-good-to-be-true vibe to it. It almost seems like... I don't know, are you going to start selling me uh, like, like little sugar pills that will regrow my arm? I open up the bag and pull out a... Uh, uh, shit, what was that goddamn game called? Uh, Deus Ex... A Deus Ex Human Revolution era aristocratic looking cyber arm and just put on the table already made for her. This is more of a mock-up than the final product. And it's not all of it. But this is the part you're interested in, I'm assuming. Her eyes go wide as she sees it. Um, it's yes, yes, this is th- something like that. Yes. Yeah. So it is too good to be true. You're right. Not probably in the ways you think it is. This works. It's actually pretty easy to get up and running um, once you know we start. Uh, but it's not like advanced technology. It's not science fiction. It's not nano machines or five G in a vaccine or something. Uh, it's magic. Um, this is where I'm going to tell you that God and the devil are real, and the apocalypse is coming, and that's why things like me are showing up, offering services like this to people like you. 
So, yeah. This is admittedly a lot for Miss Honey Grant to take in. Yeah, this is why we we you just we, kind of we, uh, we sort of just ease them into that in phase two where they start to get a taste for it. Like people about to, you know, it's like gravity, like in that fucking Joker movie. You just kind of let go, and gravity will kind of take you the rest of the way once you once you've been sort of soft exposed to the supernatural. Things start to connect pretty rapidly when you get the hard evidence. Well, this seems like at least part of the hard evidence here. So you can kind of see on her face the. Uh, the, the her brain kind of firing rapidly as ideas are formed about all of this. But at the end of the day, the conclusion that she comes to is that yes, I still want that arm. Excellent. Let's talk about the other stuff you're going to be getting that, to make it work. So there's several things I usually have to pull. Your heart, it's just a thing. I can't really get around it. It gets replaced with a reactor of sorts that contains I'm going to call it prayer or faith, it's a power source, and it'll run that arm pretty well. Um, the exchange of that power comes from a loyalty. Now you're thinking, oh, okay, I need to do stuff for you, and you'll help me. I, I mean this in a physically literal sense. You being loyal or working for me powers the equipment. If you don't do it and just cut off on your own and be mercenary or third party or you're done, that power is eventually going to run out, and all the upgrades will work, but you're going to run into... You're going to run into issues because part of the process of getting this stuff into you involves binding a demon into your into the prosthetics, into the, the, the machinery, the metal. It's more like soil than it is metal. And once... Uh, once Good lord! Yeah! Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is how it goes. So, once we put this into you, it'll act as kind of fertile soil for a demon. It'll crawl inside. It'll make this stuff work. It'll bind you. It'll power up everything. It'll probably go a little bit further than you're expecting as far as what you used to be able to do. This is less of a set you back to the way you were and more push you a little bit further than you ever possibly could have expected as far as capabilities go. If you catch the lingo... Yes, well, oh wow, this is so much to. You should probably think about ask about begin, how but... long you have to serve. That's probably your next question you're going to want to ask. Yes, well, outside of the binding demons into me and. Demons are the least important part yes, of this. How... They're pretty tame once I get my hand on them. I'll make like a gripping motion. That's not ominous at all. All right, well, uh,. So how long do I have to serve? Five years. In five years, I'm my I'm pretty competent or confident that I can open up these. I can open up the the sort of symbiosis you're about to go through and refine it, make it streamlined, remove any sort of inconsistencies or flaws you're going to encounter that are going to make your life harder once if you choose not to re up for another five years. Every year comes with a reward. Uh, usually it's the devil refinement. Um, you're not going to be working every day for me. You're going to be doing your home life. Actually, interesting question. What did you do before your accident? And what are you hoping to do after you get, you know, this problem of yours resolved? Oh, well, I was a nurse. Okay, well, you can go back to doing that. Have you ever thought about traveling? Um... I've traveled a little bit on holiday across uh, across Europe. I've been to France and uh, Spain before. Have you ever wanted to see all of Europe? Like, as a job? Like, that pays money? Why? And it's not a hard job, either. 
I mean, if I'm... Again, I feel like you're saying a lot of things that are too good to be true. Well, yeah, I'm the devil, man. (laughs) That's my deal. Thank you for taking the time to enjoy our show. If you liked what you heard, why not leave a review or tell a friend about us? It helps get the good word out about the work that we put in. If you had any questions, you could send them to us on Twitter at A Pair of Dice Lost or email us at A Pair of Dice Lost at gmail.com. The theme song for this game is Rulers of Our Lands by Raphael Crux, used under a Creative Commons license. Other music in this episode was done by Kevin McLeod and Alexander Nakarada. I'll put the full list in the show notes. And for making it this far, go ahead and regain a mode of essence.